Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Pennant. Nothing personal. Word of the day, October 19th, 2020, is pennant. The Dodgers won the pennant. The Dodgers won the pennant. No, that was a long time ago, actually. Like back, I think, when they were in Brooklyn. But in fact, the Dodgers won the pennant. We were treated to two Game 7s in the National League Championship Series and the American League Championship Series this weekend. The first team to win four in a series with seven games, gets to advance. That's what's called a four out of seven. Only once since 2003, when the Marlins beat the Cubs in seven and the Yankees beat the Red Sox in seven, have both league championship series gone seven games. That was 2004. And now again in 2020. It's not very common. It's great news for broadcasters because they get the maximum number of games. So there's no make goods for the networks by the leagues. In fact, it's a bonus to the networks when they get all these games. The first game seven saw the Rays and the Astros. It was a very complicated game because you had everybody in baseball rooting against the Astros. Except for the business people. They were all rooting for the Astros. Every player, every manager, every GM wanted the Astros to fall on their face. But every owner, everybody in the commissioner's office, every television executive wanted the Astros to win. It's more interesting. But the Astros just seemed to have didn't have a guy named Randy Arazarena, who no one's ever heard of. And that's part of the problem. He's a good player. He's fine. Decent, unexpected, a playoff hero that every year seems to emerge. You hope that it's a person with a known name who can boost his legacy and his story. Sometimes it's nice to have first-time stories, but generally not. But that guy is hot, as in hot. He basically carried his team. The Rays put it together. They used their bullpen perfectly. They ended the game, not with Diego Castillo, their closer who'd been ending games and, and coming in in early innings, any place that Kevin Cash could find a way to use his best pitcher. But they ended it with Peter Fairbanks, another guy who throws 98-99. They brought in Nick Anderson, the former Marlin, actually gave up a run. It was a hell of a game. The Astros just could not get their offense going. Altuve had a great season, had a great, great postseason, a great series. Everyone thought that Altuve, without the buzzer, without stealing signs, that he was an actual 219 hitter, not realizing that over 60 games, you cannot look at the stats. But in the postseason, he was a clutch player. Offensively. Boy, did he struggle defensively. So many great storylines with the Astros, but now they're done. So the American League has the Rays going to the World Series, and the question to be asked is, 
how do you then match up the Rays in the National League in order to try to generate at least a modicum of TV interest, given that ratings are down across all sports? We've got to figure out how to get the West Coast involved, how to get a bigger market involved. They go to last night, Sunday night, October 18th, and everybody is praying for the Dodgers to win. Or are they? The Dodgers are playing a team. Do you remember America's team? Did you grow up, Coco, with Turner as the superstation? Or did it not exist after you were born? Turner used to be a superstation where before there was a direct TV and, and the extra innings package and MLB.com, there were certain teams that you could watch in your home state. So, for example, if you lived in New York, you could only see Yankees and Mets games and you could see Atlanta Braves games because the Braves would be shown on this TBS superstation around the country. And so Braves had fans everywhere. South before the Marlins were around or the Tampa Bay Rays, there was a superstation. So they're all Braves fans. But once everybody could watch any team he, she, or they wanted at any time, then the superstation sort of disappeared. It turned into a movie, you know, some original programming, movies and some live sports like TBS showed some playoffs, et cetera. But at the end of the day, the Braves are not really a national draw, as opposed to the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a team, big market, big revenue, big stars. Magic Johnson tweeting about them. Mookie Betts from the Boston Red Sox traded to them and then signed to a 12-year deal. The superstar GM comes from the Rays and goes to the Dodgers. We'll talk about that later. Dodgers with the huge market in LA. It was critical for the Dodgers to beat the Braves last night. And coming out of the series where they were down 3-1. By the way, you know the Rays were down, were up 3-0. The Astros caught them to 3-3 and then won game seven, but I digress. The Braves were up 2-0, 3-1. You need four games. The Dodgers went on a three-game winning streak just in time. They had a pinch hit home run by an old player, the Marlins. This guy, Kike Hernandez, I don't know if you watch him. Uh, his name is actually Enrique Hernandez. He calls himself Kike Hernandez. We had him for a hot minute in Florida, and we traded him to the Dodgers. Uh, we traded him and Austin Barnes and Chris Hatcher and Andrew Heaney, who the Dodgers then traded to the Angels the next day, all to get Dan Heron and D. Gordon. And the reason why we had to trade all these players is we needed the Dodgers to pay Dan Heron's salary in full and to make the money even with what D. Gordon was making versus who we were trading because we couldn't afford to take on any money back then, back ever. And that's an example of what you can do if you're smart and you have money. And that's what makes the Dodgers such an interesting team and why they've had so much success under Andrew Friedman, their president of baseball operations. That's eight straight division championships. They're about to go to their... Is this their third World Series? They've lost two World Series under Friedman. They lost to the Astros. Did they lose to the Nats last year? Now I'm blanking. Coca, can you imagine? I never remember who finishes in second place. They lost to the Red Sox. Who else did they lose to? Oh, the Astros lost to the Nationals. Fair enough. And then they lost... Another time, I think they're 0-2 in World Series under Friedman, or is this only their second one? I can't believe. Listen, it's Monday. 
I was at CBS Sports HQ in studio, by the way. Quarantine's over. Was inside a studio for the first time since March 15th. It was very strange. I was a little nervous. I wore a mask the whole time, except when I was eating a sandwich at 1130 at night. And then you go to the studio and you're six feet apart from the anchor, but still you're, they wiped it off after Jonathan Jones was there. Is that who was there, Coco, right before me, the NFL analyst for CBS Sports HQ? I was watching him be an analyst. And then he leaves. They wipe everything off. I have my own earpiece, but I have to take a camera and a microphone. And I didn't take wipes. They didn't wipe off the camera and the microphone, but I think they did before I saw it. But it was really nice to be in studio with an anchor because you can really sort of talk about with your eyes when you want to say another thing or when you want to follow up. And there was a conversation about Kike Hernandez and the fact that he had a pinch hit home run, which, by the way, is super hard. A seventh inning or a sixth inning pinch hit home run, not easy to do. Why is that noteworthy? Because Kike Hernandez is sort of a, uh, when we had him, he's a red ass. And I could, I didn't say that on HQ, but I'll say it on nothing personal. What that means is that he is uh, he has an edge to him. Very, very much wants to win, very much into the game, can play any position. He wants to be a star. He is a role player, but he acts like a star. And if you have a couple of those players on your team, it's actually okay for chemistry. If you have too many Kike Hernandez's, you're never going to win because they would literally implode under the weight of their own delusional expectations. But he's a perfectly interesting player to have on a winning team. He can't be the central guy of a winning team, but he's a complimentary piece. But what makes it nice is when you are the Marlins you are perfectly fine trading a Kike Hernandez because he's not going to be a difference maker for your team. And the Dodgers are very happy to trade for a Kike Hernandez because there is a chance that he can be a piece. And when you're the Dodgers and with that payroll, you can afford a piece. In that trade, the Dodgers asked for Austin Barnes, who was a catcher. We already had a catcher. We weren't focused on keeping him as a catcher. We were told by our baseball guys that he was going to be a major league catcher. We didn't want to include him. The owners of the Dodgers call up Jeffrey, our owner, speak to me. I spoke to Andrew Friedman as well. And we weren't going to let Austin Barnes get in the way of bringing in a starting pitcher who we needed, although it didn't work out. And a second baseman who we did need, who it did work out. We sent him to a long-term deal. And then he was terrible after he did steroids. But all of that said, that is the... What is the exact word that I want to use? That is the leverage that a team like the Dodgers uses. And if they use it correctly, they're going to be a successful franchise. They have money that they can use to bully teams just like the Marlins. And they have been doing it all over baseball. What's interesting about the Dodgers is that they pretend they have this small revenue, small market mentality because they hired Andrew Friedman, by the way, paid him eight figures a year to do this. I'm not jealous. I'm just saying that's what he's getting paid, $10 million minimum. What is interesting is that what they do is they'll call a team like us, the old Marlins, and they'll say, hey, um, we want some of your international bonus slot money because we know that you're not budgeting to use all of your $5.6 million because you can't afford it, but you can trade it to us and then we can use more than our $5.6 million. And in return, we'll give you an arm like a bullpen arm and we'll pay a salary. So for us, we're trading away 
a player who we're never going to have because we don't have the money to budget to use the slot money. And we're getting a player to use in the big leagues who can get, have be paid by another team and help us that current year. What does that do? That makes the Dodgers farm system better. It makes the Marlins farm system worse. The Dodgers are throwing their money around and the Marlins are happy to take it. The Dodgers can go into the international market and they can sign players that the Marlins wouldn't have access to before there was slotting and they would do it. And if they made a mistake, no problem. We couldn't sign a guy to $40 million and then make a mistake. We were in the market. We had lunch and we're in the market to sign Cespedes when he first came out. And the Oakland A's ended up getting him for an extra million or two than we offered. But we offered like $30 million or something. And I look back thinking, obviously, he's been a great player. But what were we doing? We were trying to act like a big revenue team. We have to act like the Rays. When the Rays go to Japan or to Korea, they're not signing the top players. They're not getting Daisuke Matsuka. They're not getting Hideki Mitsui. They're going out and they're getting players who maybe you and I haven't heard of, but they come in for much smaller signing bonuses. And then they help that team. Names are such a seduction when you have money. When you have the ability to raise your payroll, it's like burning a hole in your pocket. You have to spend it. The Tampa Bay Rays don't have that opportunity, which by definition is going to make them smarter. This World Series is going to be interesting. Think about what this is if you are an owner or in the front office in a baseball team. You've got a team whose prorated salaries this season, 60 games, remember, was $28.3 million. That's their whole team. Now, that was for 60 games, 60 out of 162. So multiply that by two and a half. So their payroll would be in the 70 to $80 million range. Now look at the Dodgers. The Dodgers are paying to Clayton Kershaw, big name, Mookie Betts, I say so, making $25 million non-prorated this year, Justin Turner, Kenley Jansen, four guys out of 28 are making $32.3 million prorated. Four guys making more than a team. How do the Rays deserve to be on the same field as the Dodgers? How can it be? The Dodgers have the number two payroll. The Rays have the number 28 payroll. Well, guess who the Rays beat to get here? They beat the Yankees, number one payroll. They beat the Astros, number three payroll. If they can finish this trifecta, they will be the first team. Find me another Coca. Find me a correction out there if you're listening or watching. There's no way there's been a team with a payroll in the bottom three to beat the top three payrolls to win the World Series. It's just never happened. And I'm not buying it. When the Marlins won in 2003, we had like the number 22 payroll and it was outrageous that we beat the Yankees. People were insane. The Rays payroll is even lower. Does that mean the Rays have a worse team? Not even close. Player for player, not name for name, not dollar for dollar. Player for player, the Rays are a better team. This is a matchup of the top two seeds. Can you believe in this year 
when there were only 60 regular season games, when it was very unlikely that the best teams would finish with the best record because it's such a short sample size, that the best team in the National League going into the season before COVID, going into spring training, the Dodgers were expected to be the best team in the National League. Before COVID, going into a regular, regular season, the Tampa Bay Rays were expected to be and compete to be the top team in the American League. The Yankees, of course, had a great lineup, but they had injuries already. Garrett Cole went to the Yankees, but remember, going into the season, if the season had started on time, the Yankees lineup was not going to be the Yankees lineup. Fascinating, isn't it? At the end of 60 games, they were the number one seeds. But still, how would the number one seeds get through this expanded playoff gauntlet? When the Dodgers and Rays had to play a first round series, a best of three, where anything can happen. But it didn't. And then a best of five series, where upsets definitely happen in the division series. But they didn't. And then get through the gauntlet of a league championship series without off days. And for a team like the Rays, not having off days crushes you if you don't have depth. And how do you have depth with the 28th highest payroll? It's impossible. What we sacrificed by having low payrolls all the years, in addition to not necessarily getting the players right, we had no depth, couldn't overcome injuries, couldn't overcome lack of performance, couldn't do it. Dodgers in a high payroll, they can overcome all of it. But they made it through, no off days, got through seven game series, and here we are. So how do you handicap this World Series? I find it interesting that the Dodgers came out immediately last night at two in the morning as over two to one favorites to win. Are they not paying attention? Let's look at the different components of a series and figure out who has the advantage and figure out why the line opening line was you had to lay 210, which means over two to one for the Dodgers. All right, starting pitching, I promise you, here's going to be the first three starters. Clayton Kershaw. What day did Walker Bueller pitch, Coca? What day is today? Today is Tuesday. He pitched Sunday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So we can pitch a game three. Do I have that possibly right? I can't remember. How do you keep track of days? I literally can't do it. But the first three for the Dodgers are going to be Kershaw, Dustin May, who started game seven, pitched an inning, but he can go longer. And also Walker Bueller. What about the Rays? They've got a Cy Young Award winner, five and dive guy, Blake Snell. They've got Tyler Glasnow, who basically has a rubber arm, throws 98, can pitch every three days if he needs to. And then you've got the greatest clutch pitcher now of all time. Charlie Morton has won more deciding game sevens than even Madison Baumgartner. I'd still rather have Madison Baumgartner when he was winning his World Series with the Giants in 2010, 12, and 14. I would not like Madison Baumgartner now on a long-term deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. But Charlie Morton has put himself in the conversation, the former Astros pitcher, signed by a huge free agent deal by the Tampa Bay Rays. It was gargantuan, like two years, 20 million. <gasps> That's considered a big deal when you're the Tampa Bay Rays. Who's got the advantage? Would you rather have Snell, Glasnow, and Morton or Kershaw, 
great name, Hall of Famer, Bueller and May, advantage race. All right, what about the bullpen? Julio Urias went three innings to get the save in game seven. Outstanding work. Everyone's saying Dave Roberts did a great thing by not bringing in Kenley Jansen. Let Urias finish the game. Well, Jansen had worked two games in a row. He had never worked three days in a row. He's been effective the last two games, but prior to that, he was ineffective. Didn't know whether he was the closer. Their bullpen with Joe Kelly and Pedro Baez. Meh. It's meh. Now look at the Rays bullpen. Remember the back end of their bullpen? Nick Anderson, Diego Castillo, Peter Fairbanks. Coca, it's Monday. By the way, what does Coca do on Monday that's so awesome? By Friday, he's on the program. By Monday, he's got 20 tabs open. He's feeling a little, we're, we're recording this a little earlier than usual. He's tired. We're both tired. We were both working till 2, 2.30 in the morning. But he needs me to tell you, and I want to tell you, that Charlie Morton, I wasn't making this up, he is 4-0 and in winner-take-all postseason games with an ERA of .46. The only pitcher in MLB history with three game seven wins. You want to set your rotation up? Here's what you do. You do it backwards. You want Charlie Morton going in game seven if there's a game seven. So you're going to start him in game. In my opinion, you'd start him in game two if you could. But Charlie Morton pitched on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So full rest will be game three. And then he can pitch. What day did I say, Coca? Here we go. I'm going to do it again. Here's the math. If he pitched on Saturday, you take Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. You can pitch Thursday. That's game three. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Is Tuesday game seven? October 28th is game seven, which is Wednesday. So he could pitch game, game three is Friday. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He's going to pitch game three and game seven. There's no game Thursday. I forgot there's off days. You got it, Coca. So I'm right. You want to pitch him in game three and in game seven. All right. Did I just confuse you? We're talking about Charlie Morton, the pitcher for the Rays, as the Rays set up their rotation. When you're setting up a rotation for a series, you want to plan not just for the first three games, but also for the last four games. And you do that all at once. The point is the Rays have a stronger starting rotation. Then we were talking about, talking about the bullpen, Coca. Everybody out of the Tampa bullpen. Remember when Kevin Cash said, we have a stable of guys who throw 98 when he was fighting with the Yankees? Well, they do. Bullpen advantage is clearly with the Rays. What about defense? Mookie Betts had the best defensive series I've seen in my career in the National League Championship Series against the Braves. He robs home runs. I was going to do some sort of metaphor. He robs home runs like Bonnie and Clyde rob banks. And that's just terrific. How stupid is that? Bonnie and Clyde, you got that, Coca? The movie, Bonnie, Clyde, robbers, yeah, whatever. Mookie Betts, great defensively. But as a team, the Rays are far superior defensively all over the field. I don't think they have a defender like Betts, but their outfield has three center fielders. I'm a little worried about Kiermaier's hand. He got hit by a pitch. But at the end of the day, the advantage on defense goes to the Rays. So now we've done starting pitching, bullpen, and defense. And what do we say on nothing personal? We say that pitching and defense wins rings. But can the Dodgers club them into submission? 
because their offense is better than the Rays' offense. There's no doubt about that. Their lineup is deeper. The Rays have sneaky power, except it disappeared during the league championship series, except, except for Rosarena. They put the ball in play, but the Dodgers just get you from one to nine. Their lineup is second to only the Astros, in my opinion, in terms of depth of lineup. So the only question is, can the Dodgers offense compensate for their lack of ability in the other key areas to match up with the Rays? Well, it's World Series prediction time. That's what we do. I got to do it, right, Coca? All right, I'm doing it. So here's the wait to see. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, I'll revisit it. If it does happen, I'll revisit it. But I don't want to be one of those guys who does a show, who who spews a bunch of crap and then doesn't own it. I'm not going to be right all the time, but I'm going to own it when I'm wrong. On February 13th of 2020, before the pandemic hit, everyone was going crazy about the Astros. Everyone was furious about the Astros. And I said on February 13th, the Astros will win 100 games this year and make the World Series. Boy, did I come close. They couldn't win 100 games because there were only 60 games. I didn't know they'd lose Verlander. I didn't know they'd lose Osuna. But they came one game away from making the World Series. But it's a way to see, and I got it wrong. Then on October 12th, I made my predictions for the championship series. How did we do? Well, we said the Astros in seven. It went seven. That's a winner. But it was the Rays. That's one and one. I said the Dodgers in six. How did we do? We got the Dodgers right, but it took them seven. So overall, two and two, because we pick the number of games and we pick the team. Now, World Series. Let's start with the fact that, you know, I ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents, Coca, and I call that the triple seven. And part of like a tattoo is seven to the third. Get it? Seven to the third, seven by seven by seven. And three was my bib number. Anyway. I am predicting triple seven. Seven games in the ALCS, seven games in the NLCS, and seven games in the World Series. It is a dream come true for baseball, and they deserve it. So that's the first way to see that the World Series goes seven. Who will prevail? I'm going raise in seven. I'm doing it. Take the value. If I can get plus 180, Although I do it even with you guys on nothing personal. Raising seven, more disappointment for Andrew Friedman. Huge amount of love for the Tampa Rays. Despondency for other GMs who have to answer calls from their owners saying, the Rays just won a World Series. The Rays are in the World Series and you make me sign all these players who stink and we pay all this money. Why can't you have a 50 million and $60 million payroll and win? Rob Manford, thrilled. Look, folks, you don't need to overspend. Make sure your team is profitable. Be like the Rays. The union, despondent. The union prides itself on calling owners and saying, hey, you want to win a ring? You better sign the free agent. You better sign Wei-Yin Chen if you want to win. You better sign Garrett Cole. You need pitching And you better give them a record. You want to defend? You better sign Strasburg. You better sign Harper if you want to win in Philly. Well, guess what? All those guys sign and none of them win. 
Wouldn't that be amazingly terrible for Scott Boris and the agents in the union to go into a negotiation where they're trying to get payrolls increasing, but the raise in such a poorly timed manner for the union, make the World Series and then win it? Heaven forbid. It's going to be despondent central there. So that's the way to see. World Series starts Tuesday. We'll have much more to say. Enjoy your off day. When we come back, we're going to talk about a show that just dropped that I watched. And it starred Martin Sheen and Bradley Whitford. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you. Please go to Nothing Personal with David Sampson. If you can find it, that's the name of the channel, I think, Coke. Is that still the name of the channel? I think it is. Just hit subscribe. I've told you this, that we're almost done at CBS. So we want to continue. Nothing personal. We need you to hit subscribe. You can do it. What about the possibility of downloading and subscribing this podcast wherever you get your podcasts? You could just download it, hit subscribe, and then tell your friends. That's the second thing to do. You can handle three things. Coco always says, just say one thing per show. But I think you can handle three things. The third thing is go to Apple. Please rate and review. Get into my Instagram or Twitter. Ask questions. Write a review on Apple. Ask a question. Because at the end of the month, I'm going to do always a mailbag episode where I will answer your questions. We do segments. So you want to talk to Samson during the course of a regular show. But in terms of end of month, ask me questions. Rate, review. This stuff matters. And I don't know why. There's a bunch of analytics people who examine things and they look at numbers and downloads and subscriptions and all of it helps Coca buy a futon. Okay, there's a, a show when I, when I was asked to rank my top shows, TV shows, I had the West Wing very high. I watched West Wing and just a phenomenal show. It doesn't matter if you're liberal or conservative. It's a show about what happens in the West Wing and the White House Perfectly written, perfectly acted. It's perfect in pretty much every way. So the West Wing went off the air many years ago. I'd say it was on from 1999 to 2006. They've been very outspoken this year. The actors who were in it trying to get people to vote. So they did a special on a new streaming service called HBO Max. 
So I spent the money. I have a seven-day trial. But by the way, seven-day trials or 30-day trials are the single biggest scam of all time. And the reason there's such a scam is that everyone forgets to cancel and then they do something like automatic billing. Do you remember when you were a kid? When I was a kid, there was something called Columbia Records. They would do a TV show, an ad, when you were watching TV, when your mom didn't let you watch TV. And if you called the phone number, you could have albums sent to your door, compact discs of music sent to your home in the mail. It was Netflix before there was Netflix. You know, Netflix used to be where you paid an amount of money per month to get three compact discs of movies sent to you. And you had a queue. Is that in your queue? What's in your queue? Because you couldn't go deep in your queue until you sent back a movie back in the mail. So if you lost the disc, you had to end up buying it for like $13.99. And if you watched the movie and sent it back, then they'd send you another one back. You're next on your queue. It's crazy the way Netflix has changed. But that's what Columbia was. They'd send you music and you paid. And every month you got to choose three new albums. And it was free for the first two albums. And then you had to pay. That's what these subscription services are when they suck you in with their seven-day free trials. Don't believe it. Either buy it or not. So I got HBO Max to watch something called the West Wing Special to benefit when we vote. So they did a COVID recreation of a very famous episode called Hartsfield's Landing. And it was about some issues going on in China and the Taiwan Strait and also about the fact that New Hampshire was voting the New Hampshire primary for Judge uh, Judge Bartlett, for President Bartlett's reelection. That's the character played by Martin Sheen. They recreated it with the actors, except for John Spencer, who had passed away. So they brought in Sterling K. Brown to play John Spencer, who played the chief of staff. And they did basically a table reading, but there were some props, et cetera. And then in between scenes, they had guest stars like Obama, like like Michelle Obama, like Bill Clinton, like Samuel Jackson. And they were encouraging people watching to vote. A couple of issues I had with it. It was so liberal leaning for no reason. I understand that Aaron Sorkin is liberal, democratic. I'm fine. It doesn't matter if you're Democratic or Republican. But you cannot tell people to vote when what you're really saying to them is vote, but vote for the party that I want you to vote for. And nothing personal, you know, I've done the opposite. I've told you to vote and I don't care who you vote for. You want to vote for all Republicans up and down the ballot? Please do. You want to vote for Democrats all up and down the ballot? Please do. What I encourage you to do is find a way to get engaged. For our democracy to work, you have to get engaged. West Wing lost an opportunity. They were trying to engage people to vote, but they were only engaging people who they felt would vote Democrat. And I thought that hurt their case because it made it so obvious that it was a politicized show. Now, I love to see the West Wing. They did an amazing job. Seeing the characters felt like putting on an old pair of pajamas. It felt like going back to your summer camp. It just felt right. But I was disappointed that they would litter it with those distractions that aren't necessary. Get the word out to vote. West Wing, it's worth seeing. If you're a West Wing fan, even if you're not, 
it's important to look at a show that really can give you an indication of what politics could be versus what they've turned into. West Wing special, The Benefit When We Vote. It's worth it. Okay. You knew I'd get to this today. There was never a doubt, right? I've been thinking all day and all night how to deal with this subject because there's different ways I can go. I can go scorched earth. I can go truth. Michael Hill, the president of baseball operations, who I worked with from 2003 to 2017 in capacities as an assistant general manager, a general manager, and then a president of baseball operations, was let go by the Miami Marlins and Derek Jeter yesterday. Trying to hide the news when there's a game seven going on. Can't hide from nothing personal. Mike Hill is one of the two black heads of a baseball operation, Kenny Williams in Chicago being the other. Mike Hill has a World Series ring from 2003. Mike Hill was with the Marlins for 18 seasons. 19 seasons. I was there for 16 seasons, and he was there for 18, 19, and 20. So 19 seasons, but I was there an extra season because I started in 02. So 18 seasons with the Marlins. What Derek Jeter said is both shameful and a lie. And I'm going to tell you exactly why. But before I do, I need you to understand something. I know that you believe that I'll find any reason to criticize Derek Jeter because you think I have a personal vendetta against him. You're wrong. I got Derek Jeter. He's my hero. I got Derek Jeter to convince Bruce Sherman to buy the Marlins from Jeffrey Loria for an enterprise value of $1.2 billion. Derek Jeter is my hero. Bruce Sherman is my hero. I have no hate for them at all. I would never use such a strong word. I have no respect for him as an executive. I have great respect for him as a Hall of Fame player. He was a terrible negotiator. He's a terrible president of a team. He's bad at his job. He doesn't know how to negotiate. All he has is a Hall of Fame resume as a shortstop. But what he also has is the belief that he can do the job that Mike Hill did, and he can do the job that I did. He tried to hire another president of business operations, fired him. I knew he was going to fire me. Remember when he did, I had to teach him how to fire me. He didn't even know how to do it. He had never done it. He had to learn. I taught him. The problem with getting rid of Mike Hill is that Derek Jeter has the belief that everything that's gone right with the Marlins since we left. Now, listen, you can acknowledge, I'll acknowledge, we won in 03. We didn't play 500 baseball after that. We had phenomenal drafts. Not all of them worked out. Not every first round pick worked out. But overall, the players who we put in the system, whether it was Yelich, Stanton, Ozuna, JT Ralamuto, I could go on and on. Phenomenal picks. That made it. Great drafting. Great development. We would rush kids to the big leagues and that would hurt their development. Sometimes we wouldn't rush them to the big leagues. By the way, I didn't even mention drafting Jose Fernandez. Colin Moran is a draft who's playing every day for the Pirates. I could go on, but I'm not here to say that. Our minor league system was always ranked near the bottom because our minor league players played in the major leagues. 
and our minor league players were traded to try to help our major league team win. Don't deny it. Don't regret it. Derek Jeter came in and immediately tried to distance himself from prior management. Everything I touched, he got rid of. No problem. I'm not bitter about that at all. I never was. You want to change the stadium? You want to pretend I didn't exist? Take down every picture? Change every color? Make sure no one mentions my name? Scare people at the Marlins from being friends with me? Tell them that they're uncomfortable having them be friends with me? Accusing them of leaking stuff to me? I never, Derek, if you're listening, pay close attention. And I know that your PR bobos are listening because they follow every word I say. They're obsessed with it. Mike Hill never leaked one thing to me. Not one thing. Not one member of the organization who you kept, which were very few, gave me one thing. You know who talks to me? People in the community who you think like you, but are still loyal to me. People in the media who you think are loyal to you, who are still loyal to me. That's who gives me my information. Mike Hill was the opposite. And you telling Mike Hill that his relationship with me is troubling. You telling Jeff Conine that his relationship with me is troubling, which is why you don't want Mr. Marlin around the Marlins. You are making it so fans of the Marlins cannot be around Jeff Conan because of me? It's an outrage. Well, now Mike Hill's gone, Derek. You get your wish. And this isn't personal. This is business. You think you can run the business of the Marlins without Mike Hill? You have no idea what Mike Hill did for you. Yet your belief is that Mike Hill wasn't right for your organization? That's BS and you know it. You wanted to get rid of him because you want your own guy. That's great. Just be honest. Don't give me some cockamamie quote that you felt it would be best for the organization at this particular time to move on without Mike. Who wrote that for you? Your PR people? You knew you were firing Mike the minute you joined. You kept him on because he had three years left and you did not want to pay him out. You wanted to bring in Gary Denbo and have Mike Hill try to teach Gary Denbo what can't be taught. You think that anyone would have gotten your team through this year with 175 transactions? Do you know the work that a president of baseball operations has to do? It's not just being a train wreck and being a bull in a china shop and putting the Marlins way in and thinking, wow, we've got a great minor league system now. We went 31 and 29. That means we are on schedule. You think media people don't call me and tell me when you try to pitch a story that you are the sole reason, Derek, why the Marlins are now successful? Trying to set the stage for Mike to get no credit? If the Marlins had lost this year, it was easy to get rid of Mike. You knew that. But when they started winning, you had a problem because he could even win executive of the year. Trust me, I fired a manager of the year. That may stay with you for a bit. We are going to find out once and for all whether or not your system works, Derek. Will you get a naming rights deal? Will you get a TV deal? Will your baseball team excel over a 162-game season? Will you draw fans? Will you continue to develop on the minor league players? I don't care about minor league championships. I don't care about a number one ranked farm system. 
I would always judge the firings that we did of managers and GMs by whether or not they got jobs again and how quickly. Pitching coaches still working around baseball. Managers still working around baseball. Some yes, some no. Joe Girardi went on to have a great career. I was wrong about Joe Girardi. In 2006, he was unmanageable. Now he's gone on, he's won a World Series and he's managed ever since. It is possible that the Marlins will not hire anyone to replace Mike. Unlikely. Could it be someone like Billy Epler, who was fired by the Angels, who has Yankee ties? Do you have to have Yankee ties to work for the Marlins? People are asking themselves that now. What approach will happen when someone asks Mike what it was like? Because GMs, when they are offered jobs, they speak to other GMs. Hey, what's that owner like? What's it like to work for Derek? There was always a big misconception. If you ask people who worked for me, for Jeffrey, they will tell you that what you hear from the outside is that it was a nightmare. But when you speak to people who did it, fair, honest, generous, generous to the point of night sweats. Involved, sometimes difficult. They don't sleep a lot, but they're communicative. And you can convince them to do something you want to do if you're going to be right. That's the scouting report I'm working for me and working for our owner. Do you know what the scouting report is for working for Derek? Total lack of inclusion. The belief that everything that happens, he gets the credit for, even though he doesn't do any of it. The feeling that because he was such a good shortstop that he can run a business. The feeling that when he walks in a room, people are going to genuflect and start handing over money or that players will all want to play there. None of that turns out to be true. I'm taking a breath now because I want to make sure that this segment ends with the proper understanding that my relationship with Mike Hill has nothing to do with my view of Mike Hill's termination. When Mike Hill's contract was up, which it was this year, and you're going to offer a pay cut to keep him, it's insulting. It doesn't matter that he's my friend or not my friend. You're going to say that he wasn't a major factor in running this organization? It's just not accurate. Why can't you just have the guts to say what you want to say? I don't want someone who's not my guy. Period. If you're not a Yankee or you're not someone who is a psychophant, then you can't work for me. What's the problem with that? We have a lot of smart baseball minds in our organization and there are smart baseball minds around the game. We're going to sit down and see what type of person we need in this role. Horse hockey. You know exactly what you're going to do. You've been planning this for three years and just had a little problem when the Marlins had a good season. Well, congratulations, Derek. You have your way. Everybody's gone now. There is no remnant of the Loria Sampson era, the Loria era where I worked in that era too. Nowhere to hide today. And Mike Hill, he's going to go on to great success with another team. Mark my words, double wait to see, Coca. Mike Hill will be the president of baseball operations for another team in 2021. He's not going to take a year off. He's not going to become a special assistant or a pro scout. 
He is the number one candidate right now for every opening. That's how good Mike Hillett is at what he does. But at the end of the day, decisions get made. But why not be honest? You could have looked in the camera, Derek, if you would have given an interview, which you didn't. You only spoke to beat reporters. You could have looked right in the camera and said, you know what? It's my team. And it's business. Sorry, Mike. It was nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com